Myra is one of our uh, graduates from about four years ago, and uh, uh, she's still doing well. Um, she's been able to get her kids back for, with her from uh, CFS, and she's working, living in one of the Manitoba housing projects, not in the downtown or North End area, but a little bit out into more of the suburbs. And it's through her faith in Christ that she was able to start that healing process. And, um, you know, as our verse uh, from Acts 26, 18, um, to open their eyes in order for them to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. You know, all our programming at Union Gospel Mission has the gospel of Jesus Christ present in it. And it's through that... Uh, presence of God in all of our programming, that these individuals that come to us, that are searching, um, they're filling their, they're trying to fill that gap in their heart, that hole in their heart. They're trying to fill it with alcohol, with drugs, with addiction to um, whatever. And you know what? It's, it's, it's a challenge. A lot of them come to faith, and we, we know that, you know, the, the, John 3.16. But the second part of that is, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but, to, but that the world through him might be saved. And we're trying to save individuals one at a time in the North End. For every one individual we save, there's still another nine to ten that are struggling and that we're, we're searching for, whether it's through our, uh, through our street ministry or other. In 1 John 1, 19, 1, actually, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. I'm not sure if I'm causing the, the feedback or not. A little bit. Um, oh, maybe it's not those. This is a little bit better. Maybe? Okay. There we go. Okay. Maybe I'm causing interference with the speaker, the, the, my, the sounds there. I'll come over here. Um, you know, so it, for us to cleanse ourselves out of our righteousness when we make our decision. I made a decision for the Lord when I was 26. I didn't grow up as a Christian. You know, I had, was a little bit of a binge alcoholic in my early 20s before I met my wife. And you know what? I resonate with these individuals that are coming into our program. I'm thankful that I didn't need a program to recover from addiction. But the next step for these individuals when they take on that acceptance of Christ in their life is learning to forgive and learning to ask for forgiveness. A lot of them have done, oh, unspeakable things. Many of our guys in our program have been in jail. Some of them com committed assault. Some of them have been drug dealers. And we'll hear from Barry uh, at the end here. Barry was a drug dealer. If any of you have read Larry Lahotsky's book, uh, Larry Lahotsky used to be a missionary in the West End of Winnipeg trying to change the drug trade. Well, Barry lived across the street from him. Barry didn't like Larry, and Larry didn't like Barry. They kept calling the, you know, Larry would call the cops on Barry, and Barry would threaten Larry. Well, they're going to be in heaven together now which is going to be, I, I, I want to be there when they first meet. Um, 
But you know what? They can't do it without forgiveness. They have to seek first forgiveness from their sins and ask God to forgive them for the things that they have done. To release that burden that's on their hearts in them. Psalm 86.5 says, For you, Lord... Oh, I don't know where I'm going here. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. And Matthew 6, 12, 14, and 15, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's the next step. These guys have to forgive those that have sinned against them. You know, we have guys in our program that have talked and threatened others or had people threaten them. So now once they've forgiven and asked forgiveness of Christ and asked God to forgive them of their sins, they're now looking at building those relationships back. We have one gentleman in our program right now, uh, JR, and his wife is standing with him. They've got a little daughter. And he's been in our program now in and out over the last two years three times. But she's standing with him. But the hard part is, is that every time he falls, she says, you're not coming home yet. You're not done. I'm not going to divorce you. I'm standing with you. But you've got to go back to Union Gospel Mission. The trust has been broken. He's now got to seek that forgiveness and build that trust back with his wife as well as with, his, and as well as with God. And he's working at it. He's gone three months now since his last time in, and he's working hard. You know, he knows where the light is at the end, and he's got to go. The devil has a huge pull on our lives when we let him in and we don't stay focused on Christ in our world. Verse 14 and 15 of Matthew 6 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's a challenge in our world to forgive others. It's hard because people hurt us all the time. We're human. It doesn't necessarily mean we always forget or we learn from it but we have to learn to continually to forgive, to release that hold that's on our lives. We see that in our adult ed program where we got 35 individuals working towards their grade 12. They're caught in a a whirlwind in, in a sense. Many of them are on welfare and welfare is telling them to go and get work. The employers tell them to go get their grade 12. They're getting it from both ends saying, we can't help you. We can't give you a job and you can't, we don't want to help, help you with, you know, we don't want you to go and get your grade 12. We want you to go and get work. And they keep going around and around and around. And they're being hurt by society. They have to learn to forgive that so they can focus on getting their grade 12, so they can focus on getting off of welfare and, and working full time or going to school. We've had individuals go off to Steinbeck Bible College and take their applied counseling course. We've had individuals go to the culinary arts at Red River College, and we had one guy go off to the University of Manitoba. When they've released and accepted that forgiveness of Christ in their life, they make that change, and they make that focus to look for that strength in their, in their life, 
to release them from that addic the addictions that they have in that hold. Does it mean that they're not going to be tempted? They're going to be tempted. Does it mean they're not going to be tried to be pulled away by their friends or their old friends? No, they're going to be tried. They're, they're going to be tried to be pulled back into the life of they, where they were. They are going to constantly be pulled at. And you know, it was just last week where I was sat in, sitting down for lunch with um, one of our other guys that came through our has, is in our program, and he'd come through our street ministry and our outreach, where we run chapel services every day. And he asked, well, how often do I have to forgive? Well, we all know this one from, from, from Luke 17.4. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So that's a little bit different than the 70 times seven, because 77 sort of has a, cap, cap, uh, a, a, a maximum number. Well, this one doesn't really have a maximum number because... Tomorrow's a new day. So if that friend comes and does it again, then you have to forgive him seven more times and seven more times and seven more times and, then, and every day today. And it gets hard, right? Because we got people that hurt us all the time. You know, um, well, I used to be the operations manager at the mission uh, before I've done the development, the public relations and the pulpit supply. And they kind of had me as the no guy in the building. Um, because, you know, I wouldn't let the guys get away with a lot. I grew up in the inner city of Winnipeg, and I kind of could see through some of their schemes. They go to the chaplains, and the chaplains are full of grace. They're, they're, they're awesome, and they work these guys, and they, and they help them, and they, and they lead them, and they take them places I cannot. But these guys would call me names. They would get mad at me because I wouldn't let them have certain things. Well, the chaplains didn't want them to have them things, but they're hoping that when the chaplain said no, I might say yes. Kind of the mom and dad thing, right, with kids. Mom won't give it to you, I'll go check with dad. Or dad says no, I've got to go check with mom, right? Um, it's, inbred, it's inborn into us, into us as, as individuals. But we continue to forgive and we continue to work on them. We see their potential, right? I said, hey, I can see you going off to Red River. I could see you going off and driving truck. I can see you as a staff member here. We've got five guys with us now that came through our program in the last five years that are working for us full time. They're working as our supervisors. They're working with us on our dock. They're working, they're reaching out to individuals in our street ministry. They're sharing their testimonies. They're sharing that power, that the forgiveness of forgiving those that are around them. We got Marcel who is one of our graduates and is now one of our full-time guys on our evening supervisor desk. And he had his kids pulled from him a long time ago. They're, in, they're about teenage years now, so they're probably about five, ten years ago. And I just kind of heard the story on Wednesday, and, or Thursday, and I was just, I've been processing it. His... Um, I'll call her common-law, common-law wife, had the kids, and they were in northern Ontario, and um, she lost them to CFS. And 
Marcel was sitting down with his, uh, the, the CFS worker. She's not a Christian. And he was talking with her and she was going, why are you different? What's going on? And he kept telling her his testimony, how Christ has released him, how he's forgiven everybody that's hurt him. Again and again, he just kept repeating himself and repeating himself. She said, well, just wait here. She couldn't believe him. So she went and she phoned our chaplains at our building. She phoned people that knew Marcel. She goes back and talks to her supervisor, comes back, asks him again. He spent two hours with her over and over, and his story never changed. He shared verse John 3.16. He shared Roman's road with her. He show, shared with some of these verses on, on the power of forgiveness in his life. And now he's scared because he did such a good job of sharing. He's thinking God's working on bringing his kids back to him. And now he's like, well, how do I raise teenagers? He didn't even raise kids, right? But he's got a passion for the change. He's one of our greatest street evangelists in our neighborhood. On his time off, on his day off, he's walking around our building and in the neighborhood telling his friends and saying, you, gotta go, you, you need help with your addiction. You've got to come to Union Gospel Mission. You've got to listen to Jesus. You know, when I look at my own world and my own life, if I don't sit there and listen to Christ on a regular basis, I start going a little, a little astray. Now, my dips might not be down as much as Barry's or Marcel's or JR's. My pit may not be down. But my pit still is a pit. And I still have to get myself out of that. And that's through Christ. Christ promises us an inheritance. And in Ephesians 1 and 7... In him we have redemption through his blood, his, the forgiveness of his sins according to the riches of his grace. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it goes, For by grace you have saved through faith, and, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We see this inheritance happening every summer. At our Family Life Center, we have our children's and youth programming, and we are putting, pouring into kids. Now, we have one donor who writes a check for three hundred and fifty dollars to $400,000 every summer for us to send last year 1,340 kids to one week of Bible camp. Now, you mentioned Turtle Mountain Bible Camp, and I know Howard. I used to be the director at Gimli Bible Camp about 15 years ago. Gimli Bible Camp, Valley View Bible Camp, which, and Rosso River, which are three of the sister camps to Turtle Mountain, receive some of these kids that we sponsor. And these kids come back changed. For any of you that have been involved with Howard at Turtle Mountain, you'll, you'll see the changes in these kids from the beginning of the week to the end of the week. Right? There's kids that don't want to go to camp, but they don't want to leave camp all in one week. And that's only like five days. Like, how does God do that? It's him. It's not us. It's not the kids. It's not the, the counselors. It's not the, the volunteers in the kitchen or the maintenance guys. It's God working through, the, through us to those kids, right? 
last year between that, pro between that program and our other programs, we had over 550 individuals make a decision, first time for the Lord or a redecision for the Lord, and through all our programmings. About three, just over 300 of those were kids from camp. It's a powerful ministry. We're investing in these children so that they have an inheritance and hopefully that they'll change from the future. Our Adopt-A-Student program, we do the same thing year-round. We sponsor 80 kids to Faith Academy, which is a Christian school in Winnipeg. Two graduations ago, the valedictorian was one of our sponsored students. In her testimony, she shared how if she did not have Faith Academy, she probably would have fallen through the cracks in the school division number one system in Winnipeg. She, this last year, she just finished off her, uh, she's in year two now, but she finished off year one. She had a full ride, she had enough scholarships to cover her education for year one, and she has enough scholarships to cover this year for year two. Her goal is to be a doctor. She's changing her family's dynamic from the north end of Winnipeg, which is a dark area. Gilbert talks about, I don't know if, if he shared this last time he was out a couple years, two or three years ago. And we're in farming country, so we know how big an acre is of land. Well, around the Family Life Center in the North End is one acre. And the nickname right now in that acre is Murder Acre. Between the gangs and the violence in that area of the city, in the evenings and on weekends, especially on, on evenings and nights, overnights and weekends, because of the drug trade and the, and the bars on North Main, there's individuals killing each other there, and it's usually people that know each other. It's not, it's not the random stuff. It's a dark area, but the Family Life Center is a light, shining the inheritance that God can give to these people, individuals. Each of our programs focuses on one, first, sharing Christ. When these individuals make a decision, our goal is then to disciple them, help them to learn to forgive. And once they learn to forgive, we want them to experience the glory. And we share with them John 14, 20, at 14, 2, where it says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it not were so, if it not if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. When Christ ascended, he shared this with his disciples to share with us, to give us this reminder as we go. I'm going to close here in, with, with a video of Barry. Barry, uh, just, to give, uh, just to set it up, uh, Barry talks about forgiveness in here as he talked, uh, talks about how he was uh, able to reunite with his his daughter. Barry w w runs our transportation department, so the big truck I drove down that you guys are filling up, he maintain, helps maintain that and, and sends it out on its routes and stuff for the, during the week. And I shared with you a little bit, Barry, how Barry used to be a drug dealer. And uh, when Barry went into jail last time, he lost everything. They pulled everything for, with, from him to help pay his fines and his and the money's owed to the court systems. And they basically dropped him off on Main Street. 
He had nowhere to go. Within a couple months, he found us, came through our program on the first shot. He's been on fire for us, and, and he went through our internship, and then after he went through the addiction program, he went through our internship, and then we were able to, and then we hired him on. Barry, what he doesn't mention in here, has his master's in business admin from the University of Manitoba. What he doesn't tell you is before, because of his going into drugs, him and his brother used to run two or three 7-Elevens in town, and they used to sell the drugs out of the 7-Elevens where they were. Barry's transformation into a soldier of Christ is not much different than what Paul's was from Paul's day. So I'm going to thank you for allowing me to share. I look forward to talking with whoever, everybody or a few people for staying around for the potluck. I'm going to let, we'll lead into Barry's testimony here and then I'll, we'll let up the, uh, those in charge to come up and help close the service. Thank you.